Welcome to Stall Warning. I'm your host, Panchito Ojeda, joined by my good friend and 101 Lacrosse Northern California director, John Murray. John, how are you doing on this lovely Friday? Early Friday morning. Got me up nice and early this morning for a lacrosse podcast. Early, yeah. Everyone, you know, for everyone who doesn't know, uh, I'm in Virginia and John's in California, so there's a three hour difference. And yeah, for some reason, John seems to think that anything before you know noon is early. <laughs> You're not giving me no credit. This is probably the earliest recorded podcast ever. I don't know many people out at you know eight fifteen recording podcasts. That's the dedication. Yeah, well, good. That's the dedication we have here at Saul Warning. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's good to hear that you got up. You know, at least uh, by seven thirty and splashed some coffee in your face and. Uh, and, and some water maybe as well to shower up and, uh, and you're ready to go. So yeah. I'm excited. Just, excited to say it. It's a, it's a good thing. These aren't video podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I agree with that. Uh, man, this week was bananas. You know, it was like we're in quarantine and everything seems kind of like boring and slow. And all of a sudden like this week happened and it was, it was a ton of things happened. So, uh, yeah, like you know, our, we're going to talk our, about our stall warning, uh, group chat just kept, blowing up with uh screenshots of news articles throughout the week it's kind of crazy i would wake up yeah check twitter be like oh my god and just <laughs> send out everything i was seeing <laughs> i don't know if you yeah, saw that it was, it was like it was probably steady like every day at noon you would get texts from me and it's because i rolled over checked my phone and sent out a text yeah i knew the espn alerts must have been going off or something <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good. It was good to see all that news coming through. It kind of is signs of life in this lacrosse world. Um, you know, obviously we've all been sitting at home for the past 60 days or so, uh, kind of pining for lacrosse. So it's good to see some, some movement there. And, uh, you know, I, I know we talked about doing some emergency pods multiple days and, and then we were like, we're just doing one Friday. Cause we just, we just have to recap all this stuff in, in one, yeah. one foul swoop. So uh, without further ado, let's let's dive into it, uh, and let's start with the the Premier Lacrosse League and their news. They dropped a bombshell on us uh, as a first league that will be that has a plan forward to resume professional sports. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who didn't see the news, the, the PLL announced they will moving to a championship series. It is a full, fully quarantined two week affair which will essentially have uh, 16, uh, 20 games in 16 days. Uh, John, initial reactions on this? I think it was a great move by the PLO. I think it also showed like where this sport is going. Um, Paul Rabel made this announcement on like Good Morning America. You know, this isn't like um, your old pro lacrosse league. Like they're in mainstream media. People see this and the PLL is one of the first sports leagues in the world. I think it's like this and what, like Korean baseball that's uh, coming back to play. So this is going to get a lot of eyes on it. Um, I heard some talk about where they're going to host it. I heard uh, IMG Academy in Florida might be a good location for that because they can, you know, house everyone. They did the training camp there last year. So that would be interesting. Right. But um, yeah, this is an awesome move for the PLL. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Um, you know, I think they they must have called uh, the MCLA 
and been like, hey, how do you guys run your national tournament? And then decided to do a very similar format for their championship series because mm-hmm. uh, their national tournament is is almost a nearly or their excuse me their championship kind of single elimination is almost a mirror image of the uh, MCLA national tournament, mm-hmm. which is a grind. So I think one of the things that's going to be most interesting is to see how these guys are able to stay healthy and play uh, when you have so many games in such a short period of time. You know, it's definitely going to showcase who's been working out and staying, you know, staying flexible and fit and who has not. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good point. These aren't, you know, your summer lacrosse tournaments where you play three games in four days or like this is the best lacrosse in the world. Um, and guys going after it for an hour um, definitely takes a toll. Yeah, I mean, in the MCLA, we always notice that the the pace, you know, there's a couple teams in the MCLA that play really, really fast, and we've noticed that on a lot of times on the second day, they have a tougher time playing at the same level they play with on the first day just because they're, they're tired. Their bodies are tired. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out. Uh, but more importantly than that, you know, what's your thoughts on this move from a distribution standpoint? Um, do you think this was, you know, I, I made the comment, I, I think it might be a brilliant move. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is a great way to make it, you know, every, every league wants to be a, a year round league. They want to be, um, you know, in the media, um, on Twitter, on social media. That's why everyone likes basketball. Cause like it's nonstop drama and something's going on, whether they're playing or not. Um, so the timing of this news is really good. I think it's, it has a lot of people looking forward to the PLL. And if it's the only league playing at the time, like that's going to get a lot of eyes, a lot of eyes on the sport this summer. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see it and, uh, very impressed by, uh, Rabel, the Rabel brothers and yeah, the entire PLL. Brothers. What's that? Good job. Rabel brothers. Good job. Yeah, so uh, we'll go into a little bit more dive into the PLL teams uh, a little bit later. We did a preview that you can listen to here on Stall Warning, our first ever podcast. Um, we're also going to do a PLL mock draft, hopefully on Monday. But, um, you know, let's move on from the PLL. Let's talk a little bit about the MLL, the Major League Lacrosse draft that occurred this past week. Uh, I know you've been following that closely and have a lot of thoughts on this. You know, Tell me what, what you're thinking from the MLL draft. Yeah, it was it was definitely an interesting draft. Um, I think it started out with probably the biggest no brainer of the draft with TD Erlin going uh, number one, um, but then it kind of got I think a little weird for um, people not really um, following the MLL and PLL because some of the biggest um, college cross stars, you know, weren't drafted until the later rounds. Um, I still think you had some big names in the first round, but you don't have like the generational talent um, that I would say is your like Michael Sowers, your Jeff Teat. I would throw Brian Costable in there. Um, those guys, Teat and Sowers weren't drafted to the fifth round. Costable wasn't drafted at all. Um, so I don't know if that's um, – we were kind of talking about it. Um, a lot of these guys are coming back for their fifth year. Um, but I also think, you know, you take a flyer on these guys – even if they're going back for a fifth year. Um, and I also think it might um, be the MLL, you know, thinking that they might not be able to compete with a PLL for this top talent. 
and they got to find guys who they think will play for them immediately this summer if they get out and play. Yeah, I don't know what to uh, make of the the draft. I mean, it's certainly surprising to see these really good players not get drafted early. And I was telling you, you know, as a GM, maybe you sit on Sowers or Teat for a round or two uh, because you want a guy who can play right away to compete. But there's no chance that I would let those guys sit till the fifth round. I mean, it's just not possible. Those yeah. guys are too good and they're, they're going to be too impactful for too long. So, you know, we don't know all the details behind the scenes in terms of how uh, draft eligibility works and stuff like that. So, you know, safe to assume that we're kind of just speaking off of the results and what we see. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say, like, it is concerning as a, a if you're an MLL fan that potentially there's, you know, essentially the PLO has moved past you and is legitimately the number one pro lacrosse league, which might mean the the end of the MLL sometime soon. So, yeah. you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, I think those those cards will will shake out here in the next six <clears> months. Yeah, it's only it's only been one year. Um, yeah. I think there's definitely it's not like the PLL and MLL have a ton of teams. So with the amount of teams right. they have right now, I think they do have there is the talent to support that. Um, but it's got to be spread evenly. You know, you, it seems like the PLL is going to be grabbing all these top guys coming out of college, and that will definitely hurt the MLL. Right, right. So, uh, you know, speaking of guys coming out of college, let's talk about transfers. Uh, there was our a favorite, our favorite topic. Well, it is our favorite topic. We talk about it a lot between Love me it. and you. Um, yeah. We've only done one podcast on it, but. Um, so let's let's talk about transfers. You know, uh, I'm going to nail a couple of things quickly that are on here that were announced a little while back. But the first is TD Earling going back to Yale for another year. Uh, interesting rule that he was able to get around. I guess it's an eight semester rule. Yeah. So they. Um, yeah. So even though he will be a you know a fifth year senior, Yale and the Ivy Leagues in general look at their students by their time on campus. Um, so he was able to, you know, do his homework and figure out how to get back at Yale. So he'll be finishing up there. I think he also had to like get it. He hasn't graduated yet either. Um, with his transfer from Albany, I think he might be, um, still, uh, making up some classes as well. Right. Yeah. And, and that was reported on inside lacrosse.com and, and most of these stories have been reported there that we have gotten. So just to really cite our sources, um, so T.D. Ireland back to Yale. I think that's a the most prolific non-transfer of the the whole year because it basically assures Yale that they will have sixty percent of every single possession of every single game, which is uh, you know means you're going to win at least eight games, probably a shoe in for the NCAA tournament, no matter who you have on the the rest of the team. You know. Yeah, um, I mean he's the he's the best to ever do it. Then yeah, the stats, and stats and back he, it up. Yeah, and he just he fits well with Andy Shea's type of culture. You know, you can tell like they're just they're both like just hardworking, like bulldogs. Yeah, pedal the metal bulldogs. Yep. Uh, okay, and then the other was Connor Curse back to Villanova. Uh, that dropped on Tuesday. Uh, that's a big move. First team All American midi going back to Nova. Yeah. I think he's a little under the radar. If you don't know Connor Curse, this guy is a monster at Nova. Um, 
he's definitely a big man on campus on that team and kind of runs their offense through the midfield. Um, so if you get a chance, look up some Connor Curse highlights. Guy's going to be a, a monster next year. Definitely going to be a good pro lacrosse player too. I think the big the biggest news for this is Villanova is looking like a legitimate team in terms of like uh, top top level competition, and I think bringing a guy back like Connor Kirst with the development of some of the younger guys is going to allow them to continue to be good. There, they're always right there in that kind of yeah. sixteen to thirty range. Um, I think this might allow them to kind of pump it up and be right at that you know ten to fifteen range, maybe even cracking the top ten. Yeah, so that's exciting for them. I feel like they always get like an early season big win. Like they're always a team that like, oh my God, Villanova beat, you know, that team in the beginning of the year. And I think they've done that for like the last three or four years. Um, but they just yeah. never seem to get it together at the end of the season. Well, speaking of another Big East team that they'll definitely have to play probably to get to that Big East championship in the NCAA tournament. It, you have uh, Jackson Morrill and Lucas Kotler, formerly of Yale, now going to Denver, making that trip west and opening that door. What are your thoughts? Do you think Denver's unstoppable now? I don't think they're um, unstoppable, but I think they're going to be definitely a title contender. I think Morrill's one of the best attackmen in the country. I think his play style really fits well with Ethan Walker out there. Um, And Kotler on that first line midi with Jack Hanna, uh, so he won't be getting a long pull. I think will be really good. Denver also started four freshman defenders last year. So they'll be coming back uh, with more experience. And yeah, I think Denver can really make something happen next year. Yeah. Would it be safe to say that they'll be flying a mile high? Uh, How long have you waited to do that? Dad jokes all day, baby. Uh, Yeah. I think the moral collar transfers are big for Denver. You know, the one thing I'll say uh, that I was saying on our pre-show call was, you know, I think such high-profile transfers like that are certainly going to also present some interesting dynamics in the locker room. You know, not to say that they shouldn't get them. I mean, if I'm the coach of Denver, I'm definitely grabbing those two guys. They're great. But you know, guys have kind of waited their turn uh, are now going to have to wait another year. And maybe they're fine with that, but maybe they're not. I think for coaches, there's going to be an interesting challenge of – melding the team together and putting them into a situation to be successful. And you made that uh, comment about it's like the Miami Heat year one, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's these teams are going to be super talented, but, you know, lacrosse is a lot about chemistry, a lot about those days, that long days of practice in the weight room film session. Um, and, you know, in college, you're living with your teammates, too. Um, so it's going to be interesting having these guys come in. Uh, we were talking about before how a lot of these guys are locker room guys. They seem to be super high character team captains where they, uh, were before. Um, but anytime you enter like an established locker room, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Right. It will be, but I, I think, I tend to think that Denver is going to flourish with these guys. I, I could see Denver. I, when I saw this, I immediately thought, oh, man, Final Four for, for the Pios. So, uh, you know, speaking of a, of a former Big East team, now of the ACC, uh, apparently they didn't want to stick with the Catholic schools. Uh, Kyle Thornton, uh, excuse me, Kyle Gallagher and uh, Thornton are going to transfer to Notre Dame for their fifth year, formerly of Penn. 
And Brian Costabile is not coming back to Notre Dame for his fifth year. How do the Irish look in yeah, 2021? It's, it's tough. Costable has been their guy for four years. Probably, I always thought of Costable as like the most technical, sound um, midfielder I've seen in a while. I was like, I don't know if that guy is capable of shooting sidearms. That everything I looked at his highlight tape, it was like ten minutes of Costable shooting overhand and scoring righty goals. Um, yeah, he's 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 really really fundamental. Yeah. Yeah, um, so it's tough. Uh, he created a lot um, for their offense this year. They had a young attack. Um, Kavanaugh being a freshman. Uh, Westland, their lefty attackman, was a sophomore. Um, and they all kind of, they kind of relied on Costable to get it going. Um, so we'll see how Notre Dame could do offensively. They're going to be getting a ton more possessions now that Gallagher is out there. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting. You know, they might score more because they have the ball more. But uh, I think their offensive talent probably took a step back as far as that top end talent. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they'll be pretty good. Um, I, I think there's some younger, some young bucks on that team that are ready to, you know, make that, that step forward. And, you know, I think I also think that from the faceoff dot, you know, depending on what happens with, Charlie Leonard, if they have Leonard back as well, who's in the transfer portal right now, but if he comes back as well, I mean, he would be a huge one-two punch with him and, and Gallagher. They could really do some damage at the dot. Um, but they still have like Wheaton Jackaboys, who was really good. You know, you mentioned uh, Kavanaugh. There's Morrison Meyer, who's pretty good and was, was playing well. I mean, I think there's some guys there that can light it up. And with more possessions, I think they'll be better as a yeah. team. Um but, uh, you know, I was just thinking about this while we were kind of prepping. I didn't even say this in the pre-show call, but I was thinking, what do you think would happen if uh, Corgan hired, like, Petro as, like, a special assistant who and maybe got him to come over and bring, like, Cole Williams and Concanon with him? I think Notre Dame would be just, like, totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be, a, that'd be a scary situation for a lot of people on college cross. If Can you imagine those two games together? together? Holy cow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think Notre Dame's proven you don't need to score a lot of goals to be super successful or at least have, like, a top goal, like, point score in the country because they've, they've done a lot um, with not a lot. Like, even the offensive talent they had with, like, Ryder Gardensy and uh, Kavanaugh before, like, they weren't putting up monster numbers at Notre Dame. Um, they just need their, you know, three or four goals a game to win games and get to the national championship again. So if this right. is well, you know, do it and we know Notre, what Notre Dame brings on defense every week, it could happen. Right. You know, and, and I also think that um, if you watch Kevin Corrigan's presentation on, on uh, Jamie Monroe's virtual lacrosse summit, which if you haven't attended that as a coach and you're listening, go check it out. It's awesome. Uh, coach Monroe's the man, really smart guy. And he gives a lot of really good advice and he gets on the best people. And Corgan comes on to talk about riding. And one of the things he talked about was how, you, you know, whether you want to be a hard riding team or not, or fast team or not, you know, it's dependent on the decisions you make. And he was talking about how at Notre Dame, they don't play defense in a way that allows them to get a lot of four on three fast breaks. And so, you know, I think to your point, they've just proven there's a style of play that, that works and they're going to grind you for 60 minutes 
And if you're not ready for it, you're going to, you're not going to win. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I actually like this transfer a lot for, for Notre Dame. I, I think the loss of Cospiel stinks. I, I'm kind of bummed about that. I was hoping he'd come back. I've, I've wanted the Golden Domers to get a natty. And I think if he had stuck around, they, they would have had a chance, a really, really good chance this coming year. Um, better than, better than average. Um, but moving on to another team that t- tends to make Final Four weekend all the time uh, is the Maryland Terrapins. And they just landed Eric Holden from Hobart, which is a huge ad. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? The rich get richer on this one, for sure. Um, Maryland's bringing back a, a lot of five-star recruits. Um, so it's going to be interesting where Holden fits into that. I don't know if he's an instant starter. But he's definitely your top um, top six offensive guys. So if they can find a place on the field for him, uh, he's going to get a lot of production for Maryland. Yeah, I, I think this is just massive. I mean, that guy is so good. And uh, he's going to be just dynamic for them. I, th- I think he's uh, he was like a even better version of uh, Dubek who was, was really, really good at Maryland. And I think Holden's a little better than Dubek. Um, so, yeah, Maryland's going to be good. So I, I, you're just talking about this, like thinking about next year, uh, there's eight teams that I can think of off the top of my head that all are going to have a legitimate shot at the title. Um, but big question that you asked and uh, I think would be good to talk about here briefly is, you know, how do you think the Ivy League is going to compete this coming year as they basically watch all these high-level players go play for other schools because of their rules. Yeah, I think it definitely puts the Ivy League behind the eight ball. Uh, it's, you know, they just won't, at the end of the day, they won't have the same top-end talent as some of these other teams um, with not only having Ivy League fifth-year seniors on their teams, but also, like, their fifth-year seniors on there as well. Um, I, I don't see it going well for the Ivy League next year. I know you said they might be able to compete, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they were one and done in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think like don't get me wrong, the the loss is there for sure. But my point is more that these were planned losses. Uh, they were they were you know they're all graduating, and so they weren't expected to be back. And I think that the Ivy League by the nature of it has focused on developing their freshmen and sophomores to be key contributors right away. And so I would expect that these coaches will be ready for this. And I don't see them like losing a step on everyone else because while they may not have the great, as great a talent, right? Cause Jackson Moore and Lucas Cutler are studs. Um, mm-hmm. You don't replace them necessarily right away. They also won't have any sort of cultural issues, right? Like the culture is established. It's set. It's been that way. The freshmen come in. They do their thing. Everyone's roles are knowns. And so they'll be able to hit the round running in terms of chemistry and stuff like that where other teams are working to find that forever. And so I think that they may be just fine. And, you know, you said it earlier, chemistry oftentimes is is more important in lacrosse than even X's and O's. And so I, I just think that, the Ivy League will be all right. And I think the coaches inside the Ivy League are are guys that can, you know, coach it up in these situations. You think about Andy Shea and Jerry Byrne and, um, you know, Matt Madelon. Like, those guys have all figured out ways to be successful without 
you know, with with the rules of the Ivy League already. So, um, you know, the, the hardest challenge will be for a guy like Connor Busek, who's first year head coach, and now he's got to face, you know, he might face Jeff Teat at Hopkins or something. You know, who knows? So, yeah. uh, but you know, wrapping up the transfer portal, obviously, still lots of guys available, uh, lots of news to drop in there, but uh, some big names went this week. Uh, and other news, not not related to uh, the transfer portal, but kind of huge high school news. Uh, John Posner has left the Culver Military Academy to head to Lawrenceville, which is a, a massive grab in the high school ranks. Culver has been routinely one of the top uh, teams in the country. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, this is definitely a big shakeup in the high school lacrosse landscape. I mean, Culver... Uh, they were number one team, top five team in the country last five to six years, right? Um, yeah, I mean, they've been uh, number one for the last five or six years, but they've been a top 10 team for probably the last yeah. 10 years. Um, and for people who don't know, Lawrenceville, Lawrenceville's um, a fifth-year school where they have post-grads in New Jersey down near uh, Princeton. I actually played Lawrenceville both my two years of varsity in New Jersey. Um, and they were a Culver back in uh, 2010, 2011. They dipped down a little bit the last few years, but they have the facilities, they have the campus, they have the academics to be a dominant high school team down there. So this is a huge grab for Lawrenceville. Um, big loss for Culver. We'll see if they'll be able to continue. Um what Culver's been doing the last few years. I mean, they obviously still have a ton of talent on that team, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens at Lawrenceville now. Yeah, I mean, I, I not to talk about Dave Fetchmall again, but I did think like I could see him going to coach yeah. at like, a place like Culver, a military academy. <laughs> well, he's just you know he's he's got that type of work ethic. You know, he's the he's a tough, hardworking young man who's going to tell it to you straight. And you know, I think. I think high school students at a place like Culver would really benefit from that. And he could produce some high level division one player. I don't know that he wants to do that. I, I feel like he wants to be a college coach and he, he deserves that if he wants to, but um, it was just a thought. Yeah. Uh, so that wraps up our... Oh, go ahead. No, I just said it wouldn't, that wouldn't be a bad fit. Be nah, a step down. Yeah. So uh, that wraps up our, our, our stuff for today, but uh Want to give the the people a preview on uh, on what your first pick is going to be for the PLL mock draft? Uh, who who you think the Atlas are taking in the first round? I think TD Erland goes one one both drafts. One one both drafts. Maybe he signs two contracts, plays two games a week. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, uh, you know we're going to wrap this thing up here, but uh, like I said earlier, Monday we're going to do a PLL mock draft. Uh, if you all listen to the show and would like to participate in the mock draft, we are looking for one or two. Uh, we'll call you pseudo experts, uh, really just heavily interested fans who might want to represent a team in the mock draft that we can go over. Uh, you can give us an email, uh, ponch at one hundred one lacks dot com. Otherwise, John, anything you want to say to the people for this weekend? Stay home. Stay safe. Play lacrosse where you can. All right, folks, you heard it here first. Thank you very much for joining us for another edition of Stall Warning. You can follow us on social media at 
101 underscore LAX on Instagram and at 101 lacrosse on Twitter and Facebook. Have a great weekend. See you next week.